Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hey, we're in a brand new series called Building a Legacy. Building a Legacy, and it's around Heart for the House. And uh, last week, Pastor Phil brought an incredible message uh, on why we worship. Come on. Yeah, let's thank God for Pastor Phil's life. And today, we're going on part two of the series. If you have a Bible, go to the book of uh, John, John chapter 8. Go to John chapter 8. Can we welcome everybody watching online? Come on. All of our friends and family around the world, we love you. We're glad that you're part of Calvary Online. Glad that you're tuned in. Go to John. Go to John chapter 8. As you're going there, why don't you look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm glad you're sitting next to me today. Come on, smile at somebody. Let us know on YouTube in the chats where you're watching from. Turn to the person on the other side and tell them, I don't want to let you know you're sitting next to the best looking person in the room. Come on, believe that. By the way, I'm super excited because my brother from another mother, Pastor Ricardo Bissett, is it stand up stand up come on stand up looking good come on we love pastor ricardo and uh if you don't know we have a church in havana cuba and uh that's that's the pastor the man the myth the legend and he's a hero he's a hero and uh, a few years ago, we helped them get a brand new building right in the middle of one of the most uh, busiest streets in Havana, Cuba. And him and his family are absolutely legends. And uh, pray for Cuba. They're going through some really hard times right now. And he was just telling me a little bit about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Very hard times. And uh, he knows you got a family here. We're with you. Love that. He's going to be here for probably the next month and a half. And so uh, you're home. You know that. We love you. We love you very, very much. And whatever you need, um, a lot of maludos, congri. And whatever you want And uh, he loves to eat He loves to eat good And I said, well, you found your brother Let's go eat And uh, But you're amazing You and Miss Ladies And heroes in my books forever Legends And I love you And I'm honored that you're here I love you John chapter 8 John chapter 8 He's doing CrossFit now So be careful John chapter 8 <laughs> John chapter 8 uh, We're going to go to part 2 of the series Today's baptism Sunday So we're going to celebrate that as well If a, a lot of people here got registered to get baptized If you were not registered You're like I don't know it's baptism Sunday I would like to get baptized it, it don't matter if you're registered or not We got t-shirts and towels for you We're going to celebrate John chapter 8 Yeah come on praise God for that This service is electric alive I love it John chapter 8 If you're there can you say amen We're going to begin to read in verse 1 in verse 1 it says, then they, each, then they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. 
And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Verse 10, Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Come on. How good is that story right there? What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of Jesus. Out of John chapter 8, our Building a Legacy series, we're talking about our core values as a church. Our church has five core values. Last week, we learned that Jesus is the center of our lives. Our first core value, come on, say it with me. Jesus is the center of our life. If you come to Calvary, if this is your church, I want you to know Jesus is the center of our lives. Our second core value, which we're going to talk about today, is people are the cause of our church. Can you say that with me? People are the cause of our church. That's our second core value. And out of that core value, out of this story, I want to preach a message that I've titled, Drop the Stones. Drop the Stones. Tell three, four people around you, you better drop those stones. Drop those stones. We're going to pray. I'll talk about this for the next few moments, and let's all learn from this story together. And then we're going to worship Jesus one more time. Worship was amazing. And then celebrate Baptism Sunday. Amen? And uh, today, we don't have to pray for the Dolphins. We won on Thursday. Just just throwing it out there. And we beat the Ravens. And we were at the game. And uh, I think that's what made the difference. I'm just saying. Dolphins, what up? Holla at your boy. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time together. God, we thank you, God, for this community, this household of faith, every service, every location, watching online, every house, every home, every office. God, thank you for this family called Calvary. We pray that you would speak to us today, that we would see you and know you, God, better, that every single time we come, we would get a greater revelation of you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all of God's people say Come on, one more time. All of God's people say, can you make some noise for Jesus? Come on. We we were on a plane recently because last Sunday we were in Virginia. We got invited to go to a friend's church in Virginia who invited us to speak. And so me and Diana got on a flight, drove up there. It was basically a 24-hour flight, came back on Sunday night, and we had an incredible time, a beautiful church, and we got to share with them three services just like ours. It was awesome. Um, but airports are, are wild. People's crazy side come out at airports, and it feels like airports are getting packed again, flights are getting packed again, flights are being delayed, and it was chaos at the airport. And people think that the flight is actually going to leave them even though they've been at the gate for four hours waiting for this flight. And they begin to lose their mind. And so uh, finally we, we got on our flight, getting ready to come back home. And um, one of the things I really dislike about getting on airplanes, I love flying, but one of the things I really dislike is that they make you pass through the first class section before you go to your lower class section. Ever notice that? You pass through these seats that are big and comfortable and they look amazing and they don't just get peanuts, they get cakes and they get food and they get champagne and they get Evian water and you have to look at them. And yes, I've never ridden first flight and so I'm just talking out of my bitterness, so don't judge me. But 
I'm looking at them. And then you, you go to, you, to the back seat. And then on top of that, have you ever noticed there's a curtain separate? So you can't see first class? Like the peasants can't even look at first class. So we pass first class. We go to our seats. Now, now if, if we can't afford first class, what I love is, is at least, I try to tell Dana, at least let's get the exit row and a window seat. To me, it may not be first class, but it's first class to me. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Give me an exit row. I'll look at first class from my exit row. I'll lay down on the exit aisle like I, I got space. I'm good. And so we got to our exit row and, and um, whenever we fly, I love sitting by the window. I just love looking out the window of a plane. And so whether I have the window seat or Dana has it, she always gives me the window seat if she has it because she's an amazing, beautiful, generous wife, my Colombian queen, Sugarfoot, honey, boo-boo. And um, <laughs> so I sat in the window and every time, every time we fly back into the city, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've been, been able to see it. it. Miami is a beautiful city. I love our city. I'm born and raised in Miami. I've been here my whole life. I'm from the bottom, the south, the crib, 305, Dolly. I love Miami, right? I love it. So when you're flying back into the city, I look out the window and I'm just like, this is awesome. And I try to start playing a game. I try to start guessing where we're landing, which direction we're flying in. What's this building? I can't tell from far away. Is this Key Biscayne? Is this South Bay? And I try to, and I've noticed over time, every time we fly back, obviously the closer you get to it, the clearer the picture becomes. I want to talk to you about the power of proximity. The closer you get to something, the clearer your vision becomes of that thing which you are looking at. All of a sudden, 30,000 feet becomes 5,000 feet in the air, and now I see that's Coral Gables, that's Bird Road, that's the Palmetto where nobody puts their turning signal, and I can tell <laughs> traffic is crazy today, and and. As you get closer, vision becomes clearer. There is power in proximity. I want to tell you, you will have a better experience with God if you get closer to God instead of watching from a distance. Today, I believe many people don't really have a personal relationship with God. What they have is a secondhand experience from what other people tell them. And they are watching from a distance instead of having a personal relationship with the God who invites them to walk with them, talk with them, and get to know them. Do we know God personally? Are you with me? The problem that happens is that distance creates distortion. Distance creates distortion. If you're watching God from a distance, now God, the vision of God becomes blurred. It becomes obscure. It's like, okay, I'm not really sure. And if your view of God is blurred, then your soul will become unhealthy. You, you don't understand God properly. You, you, you just hear about how God is. You, you hear what people say, what he's like, but, but you don't have a personal, clear picture of God. There's no proximity. You're watching from a distance. You're like, I think God is like this. I, I believe this is who God is. And you heard from your mama and you heard from your daddy and you heard from your grandma, but you still haven't had a close relationship with God where you wake up on a Monday, not just on a Sunday, and you open up your Bible and you hear God speak to you on, on a Wednesday night before you go to bed you put on some worship and you worship God you don't need church you don't need a choir you don't need a worship team you by yourself you talk to God there by yourself I'm in a close relationship I know my father and my father knows me a close relationship with God will give you a clear vision of who he is are you with me 
So if we have a clear picture of God, then we'll have a healthy soul and we'll be able to represent him that much more clearer to people. The thing is, I believe historically we've gotten it wrong. I'm talking about the church over the last several hundred years. I think at times we've gotten it wrong because we've had an unhealthy or a distorted view of God. And so what's been propagated is that in order to be close to God, you have to be perfect. And you cannot have a relationship with God unless there is perfection in your life. And what that's created over time is what's called earn type relationship with God. Where you feel that unless you behave good, you don't deserve God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy. And so what's happened is that we have a bunch of Christians walking around thinking they need to earn God's grace. Can I tell you, on your best behavior, you can't earn his grace. On your best days, you can't get close to earning anything from God. The Bible says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. He's holy. He's big. He's majestic. He's awesome. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We can't get to his standard. God has a high standard and we, you and I cannot meet that standard. And so our distorted view of God, of God being distant and holy and us not being able to get there puts this pressure on us. And historically, we've said, earn God's forgiveness, earn God's grace. And we have a bunch of people striving to be right with God and really don't understand grace. Now, what that does personally is that it actually drives us further away from God. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm always messing up. Well, if you should hear what I said last night. You, you have no idea what kind of thoughts I had last month. Oh, and, and now this kind of mentality says there's no way God can love me. There's no way God wants to be with me. And so now we have a personal relationship with God that is strained because we believe it's based on behavior and is based on earning his grace. So publicly, people are running away in condemnation, in shame, and in guilt instead of realizing it's a free gift from God. You can never earn it. You can't deserve it. God gave it as a gift for humanity. Grace is a free gift. And so today, maybe you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I can never earn God's forgiveness. Alex, I can never earn a relationship with God. God must be upset at me. God must be mad at me. And there's people literally sitting here or watching today and you think God doesn't love you because you messed up last night, because you did something wrong last month. I want to tell you, your sin cannot take you further than God's grace can reach you. He loves you. He's for you. Today, he wanted you to hear this, to remind you he's a good God, to remind you he's a loving God, to remind you that his grace it goes further, it goes deeper than our sin could ever take us. Anybody grateful for God's good grace? Come on. He's a good God. And so personally, it's affected a lot of people and they feel like I can never get close to God. Now publicly, we've given the world this picture. Publicly, now we tell people on the outside, you better, you better clean up your act before you get to God. God would never accept you like that. Look at you with that shirt. How dare you walk into God's house with that shirt. You got people that, that try to like smell sin on people. <laughs> you, ever, you ever met people like that? They're just like, you're like, hey, good morning. I'm glad to be here in church. Good morning, brother. Where have you been? You smell like that Lala, like Mary Jane. (laughs) 
How do you guys know what that is? <laughs> right? And they're just always trying to pin sin on people and think that people's shortcomings will determine how close they can get to their God. And it's created a bunch of Christians that are looking at the speck in somebody else's eye before taking care of the log in their own eye. And it's created a judgmental, self-righteous church. And can I tell you, that's not the God that we serve. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he has a standard. Yes, we do not sin and we try to repent every single time and we run back to the cross. But God is a good father saying, you don't need to get right to get to me. Get to me and I'll get you right. Run to the father. He's a God full of grace. He's a God full of love. All are welcome. All can come in through the door. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter where you went. God is good. He's a good father. Can we give him a praise today? Come on. I don't know what you're doing here. And if you have a bad image of God, you will represent a bad image of God. If you don't see God clearly, if you're not in close proximity to God, and it's just hearsay, you'll never be able to properly demonstrate God to the people around you. So I want to tell you today, you need to stay closely in order to have a clear life. You want to live clearly? Stay close to God. John chapter 8 is an absolutely beautiful picture and a beautiful description of who God is. I love the book of John. The book of John is one of my favorite books because every gospel gives us a different perspective or view of who Jesus is. The book of Matthew, Matthew is telling us that Jesus, he is king. Jesus is the king of kings. He's not just the king of Jerusalem. He's not just the king of Israel. He's not just the king of the Mediterranean. Jesus is the king of the universe. And that's what Matthew is trying to get us to understand. You read the book of Matthew and you're like, whoa, royalty is all through the pages of the book of Matthew because he's trying to get us to understand Jesus is royalty. He's the king of kings. Then you go to the book of Mark, and Mark is not trying to tell us that Jesus is king. What he's trying to tell us is show us a different side of Jesus, and he's trying to show us that Jesus is also a servant. In fact, he uses the word the suffering servant, and he presents Jesus as the one who came to serve the world. Anybody grateful that God came to serve humanity? And Mark lets us know clearly Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Then you go to Luke. Dr. Luke lets us know in his gospel that Jesus is also a man. God really put on human flesh and came down to earth and he had temptations like us, needs like us, and he could relate to our sufferings because he came and he became a man. And so we see Jesus as king, Jesus as servant, and Jesus as a man. And then we get to the gospel of John and the gospel of John is amazing because John is not trying to tell us that Jesus is king. John is not trying to tell us that Jesus is a servant or that Jesus is a man. John wants to let us know clearly that Jesus is God. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a king. He is God in the human flesh. If you want to know God, then you have to see Jesus. If you want to know who God is, what he looks like, what he talks like, what he acts like, put your eyes on Jesus. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word 
was God. Jesus is God. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a moral teacher. He's God in the human flesh. God came up out of his throne. He put on a human suit and he walked amongst us. Jesus is God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's a servant. He is a man, but he's also God. He was, he is, and he will be forever and ever Jesus Christ. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Oh, I love the book of John. He's God. He's not a guru. He's not a self-help motivational teacher. He's God of the universe. He ain't Tony Robbins. He ain't Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Why did I say that? He's God. God in the human flesh. And so when we get to John chapter 8, it's not a coincidence that he puts that pic picture in there. It's, he, he didn't add that story just to say, here's a cool story. He purposely is trying to get us to see a picture of who God is. When you read John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, you're getting a picture of your Father in heaven. And that's beautiful. It's not in there by coincidence. It's not in there because somebody decided it. God put it in there because he wants humanity to see him. You see God in Jesus. How would Jesus treat an adulterous woman? God, you're perfect, you're holy, you're majestic, you're beautiful. How would you treat a woman who's been caught in adultery? Well, let me show you how the father would act. And he gives us John chapter 8. The Bible says that Pharisees caught her in the act of adultery, which makes me question, how did they catch her in the first place? Like, a little weird. They're like looking in every window around the neighborhood, like, let me just see who's up to no good today. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Like sometimes we can be those Pharisees. Let me see who's up to no good today. And we're always trying to point out the sin in other people before taking care of our own messes. What they doing in that household? Did, see, did you see what they put up in their Instagram? Where about your own life? And we're quick to judge because we want to put adulterous people out in the middle of the street. Just because your sin ain't public doesn't mean you got to publicize other people. They may have public sin, but you got private sin. And you better be thankful God hasn't exposed you yet because he, if he exposed all of us, we would all be in need of mercy each and every single day, which we should be on our knees saying, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. But we're quick to point the finger and say, look at them. And so they bring, they drag this woman out and they throw her in front of Jesus. In the middle of the temple, they embarrass her. And they're trying to trick Jesus and say, Jesus, she was just caught in adultery. What will thou do? Because <laughs> the law tells us we're supposed to stone her. And they're trying to see if he would obey the law or if he was really God, would he condone the sin? This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is a boss. Jesus is so amazing. He's God, so he has infinite wisdom, and he neither condemns, but he also doesn't condone the sin. And so today, yes, we're talking about God's grace, but that does not mean we have a license to sin and we could do whatever we want. 
God doesn't condemn the sin, but he also doesn't condone the sin. It cost him his blood and it cost him his life at the cross of Calvary. And so we're grateful for grace and grace, a real proper understanding of grace should make us never want to sin again because he's been so good, because he's been so loving, because he's been so merciful. God, I don't want to hurt your heart. And so Jesus, he neither condemns nor condones. And here they are publicly embarrassing her in front of a church service, basically. The woman's probably half-dressed, dragged her out of the house. She's embarrassed. Just picture her looking down, everybody. It's like she's, she's now the laughingstock of the town. She's been caught. It's embarrassing. Jesus, the Pharisees thought they knew God. The Pharisees knew the, the law letter by letter. They knew every single law but they were so far from God. You can think you have a relationship with God and yet be far from it. God was in front of them and they couldn't even see him because their own self-righteousness was blinding what God wanted to show. How, how do we stay with the healthy view of God and God's heart for people? Time is running out. We got baptism Sunday. I'm going to try to close it out quick and early, but how, how do we stay? Okay, people are the cause of our church. Why? Because people is what God loves. He gave his life for people. He gave his life for us. And so Jesus, you're the center of all we do here at Calvary. And people are the cause of why we give a million dollars away, of why we help out every single family we can, of people that are going through loss, grief, and difficult times. It's why we help churches like in Peru, Cuba, Costa Rica, Colombia, Ecuador, and India. It's why we're educating kids because God's heart breaks for humanity. And if we get a picture of Jesus, we'll understand God the Father and how much he loves the world. How do we stay healthy? Number one, watch your feet. Watch your feet. What I mean is this. Don't drift away from God. Don't wait until you're so far from God that now you're looking at him from a distance. You thought you knew him. You thought you had a close relationship with God, but it's easy to drift away from God. And so many of us, we just have a Sunday to Sunday relationship with God, but we don't have a Monday through Saturday relationship with God. We wait for somebody to come here and feed us on a Sunday. They better feed me a good message because today I need it. Today I'm low in my soul and I need to pick me up. Pick yourself up on a Monday. Pick yourself up on a Tuesday. Pick yourself up on a Wednesday. You have a personal relationship with God. You walk with him. You talk with him. You worship him. You pray. You walk with him daily. And so many of us, what we have is just a secondhand experience, a better experience. It's a close relationship with the Father. Be careful. You want to have a close relationship with God? Get to know Jesus. Because Jesus is God. I love the way Eugene Peterson put it in the message paraphrase of the Bible. John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Generous, inside and out. True from start to finish. You want to know God? Look at Jesus because he is like his father. Look at him. Walk like him. Talk like him. In fact, that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do in our life. The Holy Spirit just doesn't come to give you the gift of tongues and prophecy and jump up and down and have a lot of emotions. That's great. That's good. I'm a full spirit guy. I believe in all those things and we are a full spirit church. But I know a lot of people that speak in tongues and prophesy and still treat people like garbage. 
And they'll jump up and down in the church and they'll speak in 50 different tongues, Chinese, Mandarin, all kind of tongues. And then they still look down on their neighbor. And they still think they're better and self-righteous and always pointing out sin in other people. The Holy Spirit's main principle job is to make you like Jesus. To walk like him. To love like him. To look like him. To speak like him. To care like him. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. It's like, Holy Spirit, help me to love like you. Help me to walk like you. God, I want to know Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to care for society like Jesus. That I'm not just a Pharisee wanting to have the best seats in the church, but always overlooking my neighbor who's in need. If we're not careful, we'll be the type of people that just become selfish Pharisees instead of Jesus lovers. You want to know God, look at Jesus and watch your feet. I remember one time we went to Naples, the whole family had we're swimming in the ocean and me and my brother see dolphins swimming in the background. We're like 12, 13 years old. And we're out of our mind. We said, let's go catch the dolphins. Like if we were going to, thought it was flipper. We're going to hang on the flipper. And we swam as far as we could. When we saw we couldn't reach them and we were far from the shore, we swam back. You ever notice when you're in the ocean how easily you drift? All of a sudden we got closer to the shore and we realized our family was way over there. It's like, this dolphin moved us. Like, this dolphin's crazy. <laughs> it's easy to drift. Watch your feet. Stay close to Jesus. Be careful who's around you. Be careful the conversations you're a part of. Be careful the relationships you're a part of. Watch what you do on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. Keep your feet close. Close to God. Power of proximity. I'm close to my Father. I worship Him daily because I want to look like Him and talk like Him and love like Him. Watch your feet. Number two, examine your heart. Examine your heart. God, is, is my heart breaking for what breaks yours? God, am I having a Pharisee type of attitude? You know what's funny? Christians, we start to put rankings on sin. We're like, well, yeah, I messed up here and there. But what they did, that's like, that's like level five type sin. I've stayed at level one since I've got saved. Thank God, I'm at level one. My sin ain't crazy. Who are you to put categories on sin? It's every sin that cost the life of Jesus and it's why he shed his blood. And so be careful that we haven't walked into a church building and we've made this a social club instead of a hospital for sinners. And we think, well, here's my seat. Well, here's my season ticket. Well, here I am looking good with my suit. Can I tell you, it's not about that. It's about reaching the lost for Jesus. It's about loving our community. It's about praying for the sick. It's about picking up the broken. It's not about judging, criticizing. That's not who our father is. It's about loving Miami and telling them there's a God who loves you. There's a God. God who's calling you home. There's a God who saved me. There's a God who delivered me. That's what the gospel is about. What are we doing, church? What are we doing? I refuse to be part of a church that's self-centered, that is built up on our own image or branding or look or whatever. That's not what Jesus gave his life for. I refuse to be part of a community that just wants to be all about us. When there's people dying, cracked out, strung out, homeless, single moms, single dads, losing businesses, grieving. And all we're doing is pointing the finger and saying, well, you should have done that in the first place. If it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would be here. If it wasn't for his love. And we, we need to be careful. 
A lot of people don't want to have a relationship with Jesus, not because of who he is, but because of the people that represent him. They've gotten a bad representation of Jesus, and they're like, whoa, if Jesus is like that, I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. And if they only could see a clear picture of Jesus. That's why John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, if anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, who he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Jesus, toward the end of his life, he says this in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I think over the years, at least churches I've been a part of, Christianity and what I've researched and studied, man, we've gotten it wrong sometimes. We've been really loud with our worship and really loud with our lights and really cool auditoriums and I'm all for that. I work in one, I love it, right? It's amazing, we should gather together. That's biblical too, but this is not what it's all about. And I've been in some circles where it's Christians who love God but yet have stones in their hands. And all they're looking for is who they can, who they can knock after. You better clean your act before you come to God. Well, you get it. You get it right before you come to God. And they're self-righteous, judgmental Christians ready to throw stones at the world. But yet this woman was thrown right in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that he just went down on the ground. Jesus, what do you say? He said nothing. He just went down into the ground and he started writing on the dirt said anyone without sin cast the first stone one commentator said as Jesus bent down and touched the earth he believes that was just a symbolic representation of the God who came down and touched humanity and he's letting them know if you only knew God was right in front of you one by one they start walking away nobody knows what Jesus wrote it's the greatest mystery of all time he wrote something on the dirt what did he write nobody knows Everybody has their own thoughts. I think he started writing their sin. Like, oh, you look at her? Big boy, number one. You remember you know who? And you know where? And he's like, Jesus writing your own sin in the sand. You're like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Like, Let me get the next one. And he stands back up. Then it says he goes back down once again. The commentator said the second time he was showing, and I'm about to go under the earth to soon come up, up out of the earth so that all of us will never have to live under the earth. And one by one, they all started dropping their rocks, started dropping their stones. Number one, watch your feet, examine your heart. Number two, and number three, I pray that all of us open our hands. That if there's been judgmental rocks, stones, if we've been self-righteous, if we've criticized brothers and sisters, that we'll learn from the story that we don't throw stones, we drop them, and we live with a hand to pick up our brother and our sister the same way he picked us up. Come on, that's what we're doing as a church. We're not here to put people down. We're here to pick people up in Jesus' name. It's what he did with us, church. 
And it's what Calvary's gonna continue to do. It's what we've done for the last five years, 15 years, 20 years. And it's what we're gonna continue to do as long as God gives us life, as long as God allows us, let us never be the church that throws stones. Let us be the church that lives with an open hand and says, I'm here to pick you up. I'm here to help you out. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to lend a hand. I'm here to bless your life. I'm here to pray for your marriage. I'm not here to point. I'm here to pick up in Jesus' name. Come on, let us be that church. Let's drop the stones of criticism, judgmental stuff, and open a hand and embrace our brother and our sister in need. Hallelujah. How great. How great is our God. Come on, why don't we sing that out? Hallelujah. should have been six feet under some of us in a hospital there's nothing great in us that we deserve or could have earned your grace or your mercy 
forgive us if we've ever become self-righteous. Forgive us if we've carried around rocks and ready to stone people and judge people and criticize people. Let us never be that church, God. But let us live like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Let us realize today what you saved us from. That we won't forget the sin that we were in. Some of us were so lost, God, but your grace was so good. Hallelujah. You deserve all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, because there's none like you. Thank you that we don't have to put up a performance because your performance on the cross covered it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to have it all together to get to you. We get to you, and then you help us put it all together. Thank you for your grace. With eyes closed, with heads bowed, we're leaving in just a moment, but maybe you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Alex, I feel far from God. I feel distant. I know I got sin in my life. I want to tell you, he's not condemning you, but he's also not condoning it. Sin separates us from God. It it is a real barrier. Sin is a separation between us and our good father who loves us because God is love, but he's also holy. And in his holiness, he can't be with sin. And the Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've sinned. We've failed. We've fallen, thought wrong, said wrong. And our sin caused the division between us and our father but God loved us so much that he he did the unthinkable he came down in human form and he says sin deserves death but I'll pay that death penalty so that you can have life to the fullest the Bible says Jesus carried the sins of the world he went up on a cross and Jesus died for the sins of humanity he died for my sins he died for your sins the Bible says Jesus went down to a grave and he was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. And we believe today Jesus is alive. And he's the life giver. He's the joy giver. He's the hope giver. There's no one like Jesus. A car won't do it. A relationship won't do it. A house won't do it. Only Jesus can make you whole again. The Bible says if you want to be saved, you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. In a moment of privacy and prayer. Come on, the whole church praying, dream team praying. If you're here today, you say, Alex, I don't know Jesus. I feel far from God. I know I got sin in my life. But today, 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 I want a brand new beginning. Today, I want a brand new start. I want to start a relationship with God. I want to know my Father. I want to, I want to have proximity with the God who wants to be close to me. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're saying today, I need to give my life to God. I've been running. I've been running far from him. But today I surrender. I surrender. Somebody in here today, you need to surrender. I don't know who it is. You need, that's it. You've been running for a long time. This is the day. Today you surrender to God. He has big plans for your life. He loves you. Whoever wants to start a relationship with God today, you need forgiveness. You're saying, I need Jesus in my life. At the count of three, lift up your hand. Hold it up for a few seconds and put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. God bless you, 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 God bless you. I see you, 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 I see you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Lift up your hand as high as you can, I see you. You can put it back down. 
we're going to say a simple prayer, all of us together. I'm, I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on. God is good. He's so good. Hey, we're leaving in just a minute, but if you can, just hear me out really quick. If you raise your hand, we have a Connect tent outside, Connect team that's waiting for you, and they got a free Bible for you. This Bible is going to help you understand who God is. Hands went up everywhere. Don't leave this place without a Bible. There's no catch. They're not going to show up at your house at midnight. They're not going to call you. None of that. It's literally just a free Bible to help you understand. We want to be on this journey with you. If you're watching online and you made that decision, text us. We're going to mail one out to you. And uh, today's Baptism Sunday, so we're going to celebrate that. It's a big, big Sunday at Calvary. And... Uh, a lot of people registered to get baptized all day today, but maybe you're here and you're saying, Alex, I didn't even register. I just showed up, but I want to get baptized. Listen, we have a towel for you. We have a t-shirt for you. We're going to celebrate. This is what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to go back into the song. We're going to sing the song to celebrate and to finish uh, today's service. As that song begins, as I finish praying, I want you to head out those double doors. There's people in the lobby. Our team is out there. They're going to high-five you. They're going to give you a T-shirt, a towel, show you where the bathrooms are, where you can change. And then the entire church is going to meet with you right by the pools. And we'll lead you there. And we would love to baptize you today. And it's just a symbolic representation. The old you is dead and gone. The new you is up, alive, living with Jesus. Amen? So listen, whether you registered or not, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, you head out those double doors. We got a teacher in town. We're going to celebrate you. Come on, we lift our hands. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you picked us up out of the mud and you put us on solid rock. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.